What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and we've got a winner of an episode today. Certified Gangier Matt Jerome joins us here on episode four. He's the founder of Maristim Cannabis Consulting, and throughout this episode, we talk about his perspectives on the industry and experiences with the plant. Matt and I are also regular contributors to the Fat Nugs magazine, uh, which can be found and ordered at fatnugsmag.com and Maristim offers personalized cannabis operations consulting in Canada. Find out more at maristimcannabis.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, dude. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Rob. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, of course, of course. It's a, a conversation that's been long in the making, right, as we've been working on some of these projects remotely. I feel like I know you, you know, very well, but yeah, it's the first time you've been able to, to speak and it's great, man. Uh, it's really good to, uh, to, to connect and get everything down to it. Right. Yeah, it's, it's wild how um, disparate you can be in the cannabis industry and still be working on similar projects. Yeah. Where are you located at in Canada again? Toronto, I'm uh, west okay. side of Toronto, yep, right in the heart of uh, Canada here. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, I was going up in there, uh, in that area of Ontario for uh, software implementations for Afria and a few other companies Very for cool. maybe a year or so down in Leamington, a little tomato capital of the country down there. Yeah, I've been there once or twice, actually. Not, not too many people in Ontario can say that, but fun time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not the greatest remote destination to work in, you know, during February, January uh, weather. Tough months, yeah. We're we're <laughs> yeah, it's, we got a snowstorm a couple of days ago yesterday as we were had to uh reschedule and uh called it, man. It was bananas here. Right. Yeah, the weather is unforgiving at times up north. So on the cannabis front, man, how did you find the Gang- the certified Gangier program and when when did you complete your your class? I completed my class in October uh, last year, 2021, and had my mind blown, man. I, I don't have enough good things to say. It was an experience of, uh, of a lifetime. I had high expectations, and my expectations were exceeded, which is something very remarkable. Like, um, I, I had, these guys were my, and still are, you know, my, my heroes, you know, I've I've have family that grew up in LA. Um, I've I've from Hollywood to Northern California, a little bit south of San Francisco to Laguna Beach. They've been kind of spread out. So any time, any chance I could, I, I got up there, shamelessly freeloaded when I was younger, and uh, you know, hung out with my cousins and stuff. And so I knew of a lot of these guys like Frenchie and Kevin and Mel and. Uh, just guys we'd grown up with, uh, you know, reading and, and learning from, and to be able to learn from them directly and have uh, access to the amazing program that these guys had put together, it just looked too good to be true. And when everything was said and done, I remember being so excited when uh, I received my application, you know, thumbs up and like, yeah, you're good to go. We're excited to have you. And uh, it, I, 
I think back on those times very fondly. That was a really, really uh, special trip for me uh, to get back up there. Right. It's such a comprehensive class kind of uh, for listeners that aren't aware of the certified Ganjier program. Essentially, it's a program to create cannabis sommeliers, um, cannabis professionals that are educated in the history and science of cannabis, uh, ones that can take you through methods of consumption and help you find some peace or some joy in cannabis, however that may be. Um, right. The, the general consensus can be just, you know, try it sometime, take a hit off this bowl, you know, or try this pre-roll going around the circle, but there are gentler ways to get into the water, uh, in the cannabis industry. And for folks who've been in the scene for a while, um, like yourself and, you know, like some of these cats from the early California days, it's much different, right? With a higher tolerance, you know, we can chop it up and smoke a few blunts and have this same conversation exactly yeah where that may all in other circles just completely halt people's ability to communicate <laughs> exactly I, I feel so bad when you have someone who you forget you know it's kind of uh, yeah. mortal in the sense and you just see them in the circle and you know some part of the atmosphere just not Shutting comfortable down. at all like I, <laughs> yeah. I oh no i forgot <laughs> But as you say, there are gentler ways, and, and it's an important step in understanding cannabis a little bit more um, to be able to impart that knowledge to people who really need it these days. Like There's so many people out there who need this knowledge and, and discernible information um, given to them in a digestible way. I know people are getting thrown a lot of information from one side to the other, a lot of which isn't needed or is you know kind of beaten to a pulp and the thc and the uh, terpene percentage battle with that like i understand but there's a lot more to cannabis there really is just so many layers that need to be um, unfolded for people who are really interested in, in using this as a therapeutic uh, source of relief and uh you know calming and whatever it be in your life it, it has the ability to do that and um it's exciting to have guys and the amazing women right? this is it's, it's traditionally been uh in circles that i've been kind of a, a boys club and seeing you know learning from some of the amazing women out there um seeing wendy's farm and what her amazing family heritage and stuff can do uh, definitely man these gals just, can can grow like the best of them oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. i get what amazing. you're saying man some of the legacy scene or some of the like kind of underground scene was definitely some dudes kind of running things wheeling and dealing and yeah. i mean there were there of course women in that in that scene as well and we're thankful for their contributions you know we're just not maybe not as aware but it, it yeah. is awesome to see that uh expanding now and being just much more of a all-inclusive crowd really from the like the owner all the way down to the grower you know and i think it's been through a lot already and we probably still have a lot to go on the, always, the cannabis always. industry side yeah but before no, big steps yeah for sure right right before ganji a man were you already cultivating or working in the industry or just a passionate consumer no i uh i got my roots pretty early with um my mom was a hippie uh, from a young age. She was a, a very free-spirited, like she, she worked as a, a journalist when I was young. Uh, 
um, single parent, so it was just me and her. And I, she, she didn't introduce it to me as, you know, here, try this, but I was around it. Like her cameraman, I, I spent a lot of time, I had a little bit of a different childhood growing up as when I was younger. Um, being a single parent, she had to, she had to be out on um, assignment and couldn't leave me with people. So she took me a lot of places. Oh, I didn't spend I a lot of time in school. So cool, I, I spent cool. a lot of time in, I spent years in Rotterdam and Amsterdam, London, Paris. Um, we were over in Munich and Prague. Like we, we kicked around Europe quite a bit. So, oh, wow. Yeah. The, definitely the a unique upbringing. A hundred percent. And I love, I loved every minute of it. It was amazing to like soak in each one of those cultures. I have a heavy European twist on the, the, the way that I do things, which is another reason I think I was so attracted to Pagangier is down there. Um, you know, I remember my first French croissant. I will never, ever forget, uh, you know, the fish and chips that you get in London. I guess that's a bad way of putting it. I'll never forget the first scotch I had in right. Scotland. That it was something that is done and can be done simply, but it wasn't done simply. It was done so intricately that you couldn't describe the difference. And that's something that always attracted me and everything that I had. And it was a huge reason that, you know, I got into the Ganji program. But my Just side, in appreciating the senses or or yeah. finding those those differences, right? Between exactly. like a typical croissant or something, you know, just from a grocery store versus like what you'd actually get from the baker or from the street corner in, in France. So it's There's unreal, no, right? It, it is. There's no, I, and that's why <laughs> I, as a kid, I was like, ha, what is the difference? And learning later that it's the farmer. It's, it's where that milk is sourced. It's how much effort is put into uh, raising that cattle for the beef, how happy that cow is. Like it, Passion across yeah. the board passion across the board man that's where the definer was and it was something that i couldn't forget you can't forget <laughs> how good that was and it was always something that um i brought to my cannabis growing so i actually started when i was like i was i'm a proud black market grower for have been for a long time not anymore but as as far back as it was i was about 18 17 when i really started okay awesome man yeah so just getting started closet grow style we actually i got my intro a little bit a little bit deeper because i was up north smoking a joint with uh one of my buddies um who was in the area and i had yeah a couple closet grows that i'd done and it was about my third grow and brought it up to these old graybeards that I called them up north who were a bunch of ex-vets who smoked pot we didn't think anything of them but they had pooled together with their ACMPR which is the medicinal license that we had here and created quite a serious grow up okay. and smoked my stuff immediately and were like we need to incorporate this guy into like whatever you're bringing so I brought a lot of the genetics from Cali I you know having family over there I immediately Bring some new Yeah, started talking to some breeders and getting some seeds over and, you know, try to get them a stable. So I was, I, I had an HVAC background as well. You know, I started doing the trades when I was young, so. Okay, yeah. And that, that is not a, merged. yeah, and I was going to say, that skill set is not separate from cannabis at all, man. No, it's uniquely, 
needed for cannabis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't realize it at the time, but it was essential to something that came through. Um, you know, so we started scaling up and that was where I started running into people. For me, it was medicinal. Like at this point, I had my own medicinal journey, sports, injuries, um, anxiety problems, things like that, that I like used cannabis for. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know I, I had some rough days, but it was only when I started growing up north and we started integrating into the community a little more that I started meeting some very sick people who needed this cannabis. And not only needed this cannabis, but needed the cannabis that I grew because it was better than someone else's. Again, less tooting my horn and more, some people just didn't, you know, they're throwing seeds in the back. And like I said, with my epicurean kind of style of doing anything that i jumped in full full fledged and started reading books like you know jorge and uh mel and uh ed and all the all the beauties that we've learned from over the years that i hit the ground running and i didn't realize it so i was providing people with some relief and it became kind of a that that really sparked my flame kind of a feedback loop loved it man like I, I really got into learning more about some of the most interesting people. I don't know if it was, I do now, and I understand completely, but I, it was a lot of the veteran community, a lot of people who'd been to war, a lot of people who'd seen some stuff, a lot of people who were fighting PTSD. We had paramedics, we had old athletes, we had just elderly people who were, you know, life been rough, had a couple broken bones and this and that, and they just found some of the craziest, you know, relief from cannabis in whatever way we were trying it, you know, mostly it was just, it was weed, hash, pop brownies. That's what we <laughs> offered. And that's, you know, people just the classics, the classics, yeah. man. And oh. it was something that got, you know, in deep with me because that's, that's something that I've really tried to bring to everything I do is the patients, patient yeah. focused care. Yeah, so you think there was a, a notice, noticeable difference from, you know, cultivating for yourself or for your buddies for the black market versus, you know, starting to see where that cultivation effort's actually ending or kind of where the, you know, where the consumer appreciation is for some of those medical patients kind of yeah. change your outlook on the whole, on the whole process a little bit? Definitely. And especially when people, the correlation between, between quality, like your best grows and efficacy and how effective that was for the people was so blatant to me. Like, it's it's the simplest thing as you smoke bad weed, you have to smoke more of it, therefore you're, there's a lot in, in the way. And I always, more, paying for more, <laughs> wasting just, more packaging. It, it's <laughs> just, and, and you transfer that to anything that's unacceptable. It's, you no, know, you wouldn't do that with food, you wouldn't do, you know, if we had to eat 30 pounds of food to get a little bit of nutrition in it. Which Dude, imagine if some companies... I guess we're that, going that way. This <laughs> we're going stuff, but I digress. Yeah, some food probably isn't as nutritionally sound as it should no, be. No, I was just no. imagining like a, like a strawberry company that could create mids the way that some of these MSOs can. And yeah. they're just nasty strawberries. Like, they, they don't just, look good. No. But they still sell them. Like, hey, dude, our strawberries are fine. Just don't worry. Like, you're, you're, well, how the, how's, how's the only way we sell that is that's the only way, that's the only thing that's available. And it's like, you want strawberries? You eat shit strawberries. So that's right, like, right. It's, with, with strict laws on growing your own because uh, quality strawberries are unheard exactly. of. Exactly. <laughs> Just and, the crop's so far behind, man. We're catching up these like yeah. 30, 40 years. 
And it's amazing the the lessons that still need to be learned. I, I jump back to, again, France and, uh, well, we know deeply about terroir and how influential that is on the cannabis and plants or whatever kind of um, product you're making in that, you know, in that terroir has a huge effect. Um, Sorry, right, really bringing in, really bringing in the uh, the environment that that product was made in as exactly. well. So it's not just you know the passion that we're growing with at the farms. It's you know really the the geographical location of this farm will make different quality than somewhere else. And that's getting exactly. into that terroir, that uh, appreciation there. I think that's something that cannabis definitely has working in its favor, and it's it's very much in the early days, but yeah. I could tell you, man, if I were here in Vegas, but I could order some humble, some humble outdoor at the same time while ordering some like Nepalese Kush or something crazy from overseas and then getting some like, you know, wicked like Toronto cut from like some underground basement all coming to me. Like that's dude, that's e-commerce right there. That's globalization that's done right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what we deserve fighting as hard as we have i know so many soldiers in this fight who i mean every time i'm on here i gotta just you can't shut them up by name but there's so many people i know who fall into this ridiculous battle and war that we've had fought against this plant and the shepherds who have kept her just alive like despite its attempted eradication there's so many people out there who have fought this fight and have built the foundations that we're standing on and it's so it's this isn't what they were fighting for like to have one or two or three or five or six or you know even if it's a double digit number of ceos and people reaping benefits this is what no one wants this is not what we deserve we need quality we need people to understand and get out of the way of a lot of people who are trying to because there are people out there i mean i i meet them all the time who are really trying to push the correct you know the right agenda and right kind of change that change that general look at at quality with with cannabis in newer markets at least it tends to be thc it's without a doubt just looking at you know what's what's the highest thc percentage which then puts more pressure on the labs. So now as a cultivator, I, you know, I want a buddy lab that's going to hook me up with a nice reading. As, as illicit as that sounds, there's some of that shit going on it's in the States. Means, it's, uh, yeah, it's wild. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. And it's what that, that concept right there is what actually made me jump out of the industry and take a huge, like, relook at it what I wanted to be and what I wanted to be a part of. And I had founded Maristem Cannabis in about 2016, 2017, and, you know, was doing stuff on the side, ramping up for uh, legalization, wanted to get everything ready and see what you could do. And uh, up here in Canada, it was uh, a payday for a few and a nightmare for the rest of us and wasn't was immediately it was a very very cutthroat time and still is it's very very chaotic in the sense but there was a lot i remember working for i worked for um director of patient care for a pretty not a huge operation but one in toronto that i wish not to name (laughs) because of 
they just don't deserve it as right experience is valuable but the the rest of the experience was maybe not so much huh? exactly <laughs> you pull the good from it and you just leave the rest which was a lot but uh, it's yeah, everyone's had those <laughs> it, it's it's like a rite of passage in this and i've been you know again like i said in in, in the black and the gray i'm no I'm no stranger to being, you know, cloak and dagger and screwed over and all that lovely stuff, but not on the scale oh, yeah. and not with the blatancy, but I ran into testing and, you know, sent my test out and got a call back from the lab. And I said, how much is it? You know, what's the numbers? What do we get in on? And he said, well, you know, we've run the test, but like, you know, we haven't given you the final bill. So like, what are you, what are you guys looking for? I just, oh, I was like, no, no, like. Dude. I'm looking for, I'm looking for, I, I knew what he was saying immediately. I just, I felt like throwing yeah. up because I was like, no, man, like you're a huge lab and you don't even know who I am. Like I, it was just so, bla- I immediately turned, that was kind of the, the, the day that started the straw me. that broke the camel's back. Exactly. Like I turned around and really started losing heart into what, what I was doing and what I was being a part of and switched back to being an advocate and a patient. Uh, you know, right. It's definitely patient rights that, yeah. advocacy and, and trying to stand up and, and get some, some sensible quality into the, into the market with some craft and on like anybody yeah. who really, really wants to have that, um, next level to, to pull it to the next level and do what we deserve and bring some quality out to the market. Right. Kind of without all those uh, unnecessary CEOs or corporations profiting along the way. I know that's an, it's a necessary evil to just be like large enough, you know, to make enough product for everyone that's going to consume, but it definitely went off the rails, man. There's some, some issues where I think that for the, for the dudes from the underground and folks that were in the black and gray areas, I mean, there was no wiggle room with like screwing somebody over or not really staying true to your word, man. Like people would try that and then get X'd out of the circle or, you know, cut out of the chain, you know, just dropped basically, man. And (laughs) if it were still like that nowadays, there are many of these MSO companies and no offense to MSOs. I'm sure there are some excellent ones, but there are some (laughs) just churning out garbage that you'd be like, hey, man, nobody buy from... No one buy from this dude again. He, seriously, it's it's bunk, yeah. and it would just be like gone, man. Have to go to the next town over, you know. <laughs> it was it, as I said. I've been no no, you know, not shy of being messed over or stabbed in the back. But that's the last time. It's a yeah. very one one off thing, and you had your crew, you had the people who had your back, and that was at the heart of it is community which is what cannabis is all about it was totally cannabis and what what we grew we if you wanted it you paid for it if you need it it's free and that's what we rolled on and there were so many people that helped get their life back get their power back from just smoking a little weed having this ability to you know, have level something set. In there, level set, just reset, <laughs> have the homeostatic reset and be yeah. able to get uh, a little bit of normalcy in their life. And it was, it was life changing. It's something that, as you said, you know, MSOs are a necessary evil. We need people who like 
I don't equate cannabis to beer in anything, but there are similarities that you have to. We need the Coors Lights. We need yeah, the stuff right. out there that if you want to smoke, you want to smoke. But you can't deprive of us of the craft. You can't deprive the people of what we're going to do anyways. Like, I don't understand how the government or whoever is trying to regulate this hasn't figured out that this is um, a necessary part of... If, if you're a necessary evil, you need to understand that there needs to be a part of you that you just need to leave alone. And it's been so blatant up here and can't, like, the stock nightmares that have been going down in Canada. Oh, yeah. Just MSOs crumbling because nobody wants to buy mids and garbage and pay a premium for it because everybody, this isn't something that people were introduced to overnight we've been smoking weed up here for it's cold man we don't have much else to do bro like behind me it's freezing like just watching hockey and and smoking up have a beer and just relax for a couple months that's that's what what's necessary and you don't want crappy weed doing it we just don't we don't accept Right. <laughs> That's been hard for the industry, man, for sure. It's tough, man. The Apartment 113 uh, name actually comes from a apartment that I lived in for a while in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we used to have a lot of after parties there, and some folks were wheeling and dealing, had some interesting roommates, and it was just a really good... It was a really good apartment, man. We had some good times there, and when you were in there, it was like you were family. Like, you were already brought into the apartment, and so it was chill. Like, no one was going to screw you over. Like, you could leave stuff there. You know, sometimes people would clean the house for us. It was wild, dude. It was awesome. So the Apartment 113 is meant to try to bring that same vibe, but to the larger industry, right? Trying to break down the walls, like, you know, raise the transparency and kind of communicate and that kind of thing. And I love that, man. Pushing that same feeling that the... The, the houses used to be, man. <laughs> That's where we, we all have memories. And if, and if walls could talk in some of the places that we all got together and just hang out and have a smoke, chat. Like, there's, yeah. there's a lot to be said to, uh, you know, just session with friends. It's, it's important. It's good not only for... It's good to just check on people. That's the other thing, too. I find... Um, hanging out and going out and drinking and you know having a good time there has to be a place for that I'm getting farther away from that I know you are too with dad life like that right starting that's, to move towards just wanted to chill a little bit a little bit more low-key you know, just low-key <laughs> have I'm more I've always been more have a smoke by the campfire let's have a chat you know let's just sit in silence um right sometimes that's what it takes that's what it takes, man. Sometimes, you know, some people are a community problem. Like, let's let's sort this out together. And no, it's I'm glad to hear that. You know, the the one thirteen is is significant to you in that way because I've got a couple apartments and places in Toronto like that that kind of remember have my that heart, man. that yeah. spot. Yeah. Always <laughs> have my like. You just think of the places and you just laugh because of the goofy times you had there. Yeah, shout out to anyone who lived in apartment, you know, 114, 115, 16, all of the surrounding areas. Sorry for the hallway smell. Uh. <laughs> uh, a huge shout out to anybody in 154 Wayne Cod had a smoke with me in my basement. Man, the the times right. we had. I love it. I love it. Have you always been in the Toronto area in Canada or did you move east? 
No, I've been, I've, I've moved around Toronto a little bit, been downtown scene a little bit, out west, but uh, mostly, yeah, I haven't, haven't passed the midline. I've been a west side boy. Nice, nice. Yeah, the, uh, when it comes to consumption there in Canada, what are your go-to these days or your, uh, your typical, like, you know, daily driver? After, uh, I've, I've been a guy, I'm, I'm big into my hash, like right away, especially when winter comes and busting out my stash. And I get a lot of uh, product and samples sent by some of my boys out in BC. I'm always trying to work with them on their lines, help them understand the flavors and experiences that are going on between these cuts and crosses. So I've got a couple from them going on right now that are just... One of my buddies is working on a sweet berry. Uh, another one's got a tuna cross, which are uh, both have, a, I think the sweet berry's got some Romulan genetics and then the tuna's obviously a nice, uh, I think it's a bluefin cross, but that combined Tasty. with a little bit of, oh man, like, and, and Canadian too, they got a Canadian flair on that, so I love that. And the hash that I've got going on is some of the old, I think it's some Van Isle hash that I got that uh, is really just just bringing me home every time I come back from work, just settling me down. So, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm puffing on these days. Strike that familiar chord for you. That's it, man. You need those lean-ons, lean those trusty ones. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to discerning, like, flavor and quality, that's definitely something else the Ganjier program pushes for certified folks to rate flour and concentrates in the the appearance, the aroma, the flavor, and the experience. Is that something that you were already digging into really before Gangier, or did did the program kind of open your eyes to that kind of, um, maybe kind of rating or that kind of judgment even over the f- products that we create and love? I felt like I was training for the Gangier since I started smoking weed, because I, <laughs> I was that guy in the corner who's like, they're like, ah, oh, yeah, this is like, this is bomb. I'm like, but this Kush, is more piney, like a little lemon twist. I yeah. felt like a chef in the corner, and some of my buddies were like, "Dude, shut up!" Like, and right. but I, everyone has. I think you always had that one group in the like one friend in the group who was like that, and like the Ganji, really into it. <laughs> like really into it. And the Ganji is just all the collectives of those guys, those one or two random people in the group who just felt totally <laughs> like. Yeah, Dude, no, I remember I, I being in a little it. group like in high school or something and like they were smoking something and I was so concerned about what it was because I was reading all these forums like on rolledup.org and oh, about all oh, these cultivars oh, and like <laughs> like land race strains and things being like, what is this strain though? Like what what is this one? What is that one? And they would like go back and ask and then come and tell me a name and I'd be like doing Google research and going back to school or like telling people about it and like who knows what it was, you know, it was probably just some ditch weed. Well, that's like I, K-Town. <laughs> I love the stories too. And I think of how many stories I'm like, yeah, that guy just definitely got me, you know, like the drug dealer, just or drug dealer, quote unquote, right. Uh, some teenager with extra money buying some weed. That's what it was. And he would give me some story and I'd be like, awesome, oh, man. And then go back and be like, no, that story is ridiculous. But yeah, the Landry <laughs> stuff, like we, I, when I, I still look back, like we had, bubble gum we had juicy fruit we had those early shishka berries and romulans and um 
northern was a huge thing that ch- that that kicked around. I remember, t- like, I, I, I where China bud go? Like, I, I had a talk with one of my buddies where I'm like, that was, that was what we called just like subpar weed. It wasn't even a thing, and now it's, like, I don't know. I I think back so fondly on so many of the like all the heritage that went into it and all the people. Blueberry when that when that came across my. That was one that I, I remember smoking DJ's, like, I think it was one of his... Getting to try some of that. Yeah, it was one of my buddies who grew, like, he grew and make, made hash. He was a little bit older than me and knew I was into it. And he, he, like, came down from Perry Sound and was like, yeah, I'm coming down to smoke a joint just with you for this. <laughs> you got to try this. And it was, I, I will never forget, it was another one that we were sitting in his room. Yeah, that blueberry line, I think it was an earlier cross maybe that is actually the descendant or the early uh, ancestor of Tang Tang. And that Tang, that Tang Tang cultivar crossed with UK cheese creates my favorite cultivar is called Ultra Sonia um, from Grindhouse Seeds. And I I was growing it a little while in Colorado. I've not found it in a long time because the THC percentage, I think, is actually a little low. So the market's just kind of choking it out. But I need to find some of those seeds again, man. That Tang Tang line and and anything cheesy, I'm all for that, man. That funk. I was a huge cheese guy. I liked that, and that's why I th- I realized it was stuff that was distinct to me. Like, yeah, really. is a very distinct taste. Cheese is a very, and I still remember when Kush hit the scene, and I I looked at one of my buddies, and I was like, this is this isn't weed. Like, what is this? This is banana. Like, this is outrageous. Dude, with good and, terpene content, some of these. Some of these flowers can knock you off your knock you off your feet, man. It just sits you down. They're so deep. I feel like sometimes you're like swimming down into like into the scent, you know? Mm-hmm. Like getting deeper. You're like, okay, there's blueberries. All right, keep keep swimming. Like, oh, there's vanilla. Like interesting, you know? And you're like swimming around more. Like it's kind of dark down here, you know, it's the bottom of the lake. And you're like, oh Ooh. shit, that's it, it's chocolate. Or it's like whatever, something else hiding. Whatever <laughs> cut, you can't find it. It just has to come to you. Like the yeah. bottom of the lake effect is great because <laughs> I've I've thought the same way. And again, we've had no benchmark. Like we've all been out there, kind of swimming in our own. I mean, I had yeah, a, I had notebooks upon notebooks of this stuff. And when the ganja hit, it was monumental. Like I I met Kevin and Frenchie. Had a couple. I met Frenchie way back in the Emerald Cup. I, I say met as in he literally, hey, like, <laughs> how's it going? In shook passing, my, shook my <laughs> hand. I was just in shock. That's uh, awesome. But it was just after he'd given an impassioned speech about terroir and and talking about the importance of the farmer. I still remember that as being a huge spark to me to be like that makes perfect sense. Bringing my European twist on everything and the farmers and the cheese and like cannabis is the same oh my god connecting those dots connecting those dots and just realizing we have a duty here to the same way that they had to fight very hard you know champagne and uh omerniac and cognac all those stuff that those regions didn't happen and the terroir that happened with them didn't happen without a huge fight it wasn't just simply rolled out. No, you know. <laughs> people died. I'll say yeah. that flat out. People died. And it's so crazy to think that that's kind of where we're at now with, with cannabis, that it is, it's the flavors that matter. The, it, it has a huge impact on, on the quality and the intensity and the experience and, and the overall 
enjoyment of the whole thing. It's, it's incredible. It really is. Yeah, and once you find a few of those chirps that you enjoy or that you're interested in, you know, for the season or for for that time, you can really hunt them down and end up finding some interesting things just off of that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, as the industry opens a little more, having access to lab results or seeing those tests in the store makes it easy to find that awesomeine strain exactly. that may just be so rare. It's typically very hard to come by. And then you're just like, holy shit, this is awesomeine dominant. Like that's, yeah. I want to try it just because I don't, I want to see what that really tastes like or what it feels like. I think the um, in the Ganjier program, I was already trying to rate aroma and really appearance and things like that. But something that I learned was more rating or trying to analyze the the high, the effects. Like really, not just okay, it got me good. I'm I'm set. <laughs> yeah, it's more that. like. Yeah, right. (laughs) Let me just chill here for a while. It was more like, okay, does this like start, like, is it heavy behind the eyes or is it, do I feel it kind of coming up like my back a little bit or sort of like around like a blanket? I mean, there's all these different ways you could start to try to explain it. And that's definitely something that my eyes open to there um, at the program, trying to look at like really the, the nuances, the differences, and even the differences in the setting, because I think some strains that I smoked there on the Ganjier campus with all these cool dudes and, and ladies mm-hmm. probably got higher ratings than they may have gotten if I was just sitting in my room here, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. and whose weed it is and like where you, it's... Yeah, there's like a sto- real story to it or some some experience there. It's like, it's undeniable, man. I think that cannabis can be looked at sometimes like a utility, like mm-hmm. the, you have to pay the energy bill just to get your electricity. <laughs> no big deal. But it's more like a movie, man. Like, uh, you know, you could watch different genres of movies or different parts of a movie can be good or bad. Maybe you liked the the story, but the CGI was crap or like, you know, all those different ways to analyze it more of an art form than a, just a a utility, right? It's, it's, true. A, it's a commodity. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. And the art form of it is so important to keep that as you said it's something that we've all analyzed you know I, I oh wow this knocked me on my ass oh wow i'm cleaning everything in my <laughs> like it's for that wow i had no idea this like it gave me energy it made me creative it made me sad it bummed me out like there's there's yeah, intricacies and difference uh, insight is so important and it's different for all of us and it's different at different times in our life uh, as as I know, you know, as proud writers for Fat Nugs, both of us being across the board Gongiers, I take that as seriously as possible. Like my my method to start and finish and everything in between has to be set. It has to be minimal variables. I have to be on a good day. I'm not going to test someone's cannabis when I feel like crap. I'm not going to test it when I feel fantastic either. I want to have, an, you know, that right, be day. Be ready to go or try and to have that, that who, same who, who has that day every day? You know, like, it's, it's a tough thing that life comes at you. But cannabis is the intricacies and the nuances, as you pointed to, are so important to um, demystify for people who are a little bit intimidated i mean i know right. we're we're both psychonauts like i can tell right away we're guys who 
I mean, like to, I, it's because it's not only the making it approachable to folks who are intimidated, but it's that it's interesting from that psychonaut perspective, right? Exactly. More like exploration. So like so interesting. Yeah. Like, that, what is the natural this, interest <laughs> that I know we have as far as like the uh, as you pointed with the with the laboratories? I was so excited to see the lab results of like now I can have some tangible tangible markers to this thing. Like it is what it is. To me, it's piney. To me, it's lemony. To me, to someone else, they don't taste that. I've had, or someone else across the room was like, "Boom! That's that's it. That's fantastic," and that needs to have a page that we can all put that on. So that's the Ganja program in a in a nutshell. But the over bigger, you know, like the the wider angle of the whole thing is the laboratories providing some stability and some understanding to the people who are trying to find a specific effect to, to find that therapeutic you know they want that therapy and they want it every time they don't want to experiment yeah. they need consistency because their life is inconsistent enough they need their they need their medicine to be consistent and that's what i was really dismayed at when i mentioned before again these guys messing with stuff that i'm like you are messing with people's lives bro it's not because just a stoner that's buying that. This is exactly. like someone with PTSD or anxiety yes. that's trying to level or, you know, stay true. <laughs> you yeah, know, they're it's trying a, to live their life. They're trying to battle, uh, uh, you know, against some demons and they may be right on the edge. And that's where I got frustrated because some of the people that, you know, I, I had people I couldn't help. I fought out. I had people, I, I, again, it, it breaks my heart that ended ended up ending their lives because there wasn't any help that we could provide fast enough or quick enough and that's something that you take on yourself but you're not like because that's like there's there's life out there but i always think of how that is something we need to eliminate as fast as possible is the unknown if there's something out there to help him which i know there is with the spectrum of medicine and therapeutic value that cannabis is putting it's so exciting in in understanding i know the depth that um we have of understanding the therapeutic potential for the interactions between the cannabinoids the flavonoids the like the alkaloids the, yeah there's so much it's it's only just begun man it's only yeah. just begun we're in kindergarten the science is is just waiting (laughs) yeah and we need to catch it up but we need to do the right thing we need to get get out of the weeds with trying to sell people it as a commodity as you said this is something that really deserves to be pushed to a higher level in almost every way right in college i wrote a paper in a a psychobiology class that's all about really how medicines affect the psychology or like the inner workings of folks minds Mm -hmm. my paper was about how uh thc help to prevent the plaques that cause Alzheimer's. Uh, so it's not a cure for Alzheimer's, but it can prevent or, or slow the, the pace of the disease. And I tried to treat it very seriously, you know, using what I could. And the professor at the time, this was probably 2007, she was so upset, man, that I wrote about cannabis in this way. And because it wasn't legal, it wasn't okay federally. And it's just, it's, it's, so crazy to think that now there are programs at colleges just mm-hmm. about cannabis and it's not even been a you know it's not even been over a decade and a half or so and it's just yeah, changed on that level could be an award-winning dissertation right now as far <laughs> dude as like, 
That's one that, that hits very hard home to me as a former athlete as well. I was told, yes. like, I was an athlete who I, re I rebelliously was like, I'm smoking weed at parties. Like, I'd be the guy with the huge blunt pissing everybody off. Rolling up. Everybody's drunk. I'm all right. I'm high as shit, but I'm going to go home and be fine tomorrow. So I didn't Dude, that was my that was my MO as well, dude. I didn't yeah. drink really in those early days. Just leaned on the herb. Yeah, and it helped me through a lot. It helped me through, I mean, injuries, uh, tore my shoulder out, ended up having reconstructive surgery on that, which left me, I had a scholarship to a, to a university close by. That happened about two months before that, ended my oh, career shit. in football. So we got me through not only that, I, I, I had the full deal. I, I'm happy talking about this, but I, I reconstructive surgery, painkillers, depression, uh, addiction, Oh, just cannabis, all loaded just up. Everything. Well, yeah. I was a 19-year-old, 20-year-old 20, 20 athlete, and I had, you know, being a professional athlete in my mind, and everything just tanked. So yeah, there's the mental aspect that a lot of people don't talk about, too, of cannabis being able to just calm the mind, at least, and, and get through that. But that, you know, the Alzheimer's is something that I'm... Uh, let's, I'm, I'm terrified of it, man. I've had serious oh, yeah. brain damage, and, and I've had numbers of concussions. I was a, I was a bullet on the football field and hockey field or hockey rink. I, <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I was a terror. I was a mother's That's nightmare. Awesome. Yeah, but, awesome, but, but it has its, it has its downsides. It course. has its downsides, and that's the thing is, it's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that we're gotten to a day and age where not only people understand about cannabis, but it can understand that it has a serious effects as preventing very, very yeah, hard just helping out with to deal with. That. Right. That's right. It. Dude, uh, definitely had something, another similarity there on the football field, man. I never got to play hockey cause I, I cannot ice skate <laughs> at all. I, I can ice skate as good as you would think a guy from Kansas can ice skate. <laughs> yeah, up here, like in, up here in Canada, it's like a prerequisite. You got to learn right. to skate before you walk. So <laughs> otherwise, you lose your citizenship. No, no poutine for you. <laughs> but yeah, football was later in life, and that was a tough one on me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like, dude, I, it was definitely fun, man. Um, playing, I only played up to high school level, but on the offensive and defensive line. Mm. And yeah, dude, some of those pulls, if you pull as a tackle or guard or something and just ear hole somebody, there, dude, <sighs> they, that's going to affect them in a few years. That's it, <laughs> it's man. Like, I, I, it's ruined, I thought about it too. I, I, like, I ruined hockey. I was a little bit of a nut. I played very high level hockey when I was younger and like, I, I was known in the league. Like I, 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 I took like, out a couple oh, couple shit. people. Jerome's on feel, that team. Exactly. I feel terrible later because, like, yeah, the amount of damage and stuff I did to them. But, again, I get worried. I did, did damage to myself and get little glitches and stuff. But All in cannabis, good fun, right? It's why, it's why I use cannabis in, in, in the many varieties and, and ways that it does because that kind of stuff gives you glitches with sleep satiety mood anxiety all that kind of stuff and again anybody dealing with that knows that you kind of get to a point where you try anything and that wasn't how i got introduced to cannabis but right it's good to be able to provide that insight now exactly. in all of your experience man and kind of in what you're doing with maristim well thank you for coming on the show today matt and where can people find more about you and your projects here online 
Uh, it's a pleasure, Rob. Thank you for having me. Um, people can find, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. If you search Matthew Jerome, you'll be able to find me. Uh, Instagram handle is Matt. Um, always trying to shout out some of the expos and wonderful um, publications and um, organizations that I've been a part of. We've got one coming up in March, March 24th to 26th, I think. It's called the Can Expo. Uh, I've got lots of incredible people that I'm with. Uh, 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 Nation, sorry, and the Canadian Cannabis Travels, Travel Alliance is going to be there. Uh, so hope to see everybody there. That's going to be a great time. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that, we'll have to get on one of these uh, panels sometime if we can find an expo on the border. That's kind of within reach. Talk, uh, remember, talk quality and cannabis. hundred percent. You mentioned one in New York that I think if we can find that, that's going to be fantastic, man. Right. I'd love to chop it up with you on a panel. We'll make it work and and uh, keep the fat nugs articles rolling here, man. But yeah, man. take it easier, dude. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Rob. All the best. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Apartment 113 podcast. For more information about the show and our range of services, visit apt113.com. We offer certified Ganjie services, cannabis operations consulting, and agile product management for software development. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Apartment 113 is here to help.